What up, world? It's your past first point guard and Blazer beat writer Mike Richmond. Listen to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. Today's episode is brought to you by the good folks at Built Bar. You can go to builtbar.com right now and use the promo code Locked On. You'll get twenty percent off your next order. Today's show, we're talking about re- the return of the NBA season. It's official. The Players Association has ratified the plan presented to them by the owners, and we are set for an NBA season. We're going to talk about that all episode long. Here's how we're going to do it. We'll break it down as we usually do in three organized segments. We'll talk timeline in the first segment. When stuff's going to happen, how it works, what the season is going to look like, This will allow you to update your physical calendars that I'm sure you all maintain and meticulously update with a pen or maybe a pencil because you like to erase. But we'll go timelines in the first segment. We'll talk about in the second segment what it means for the Blazers. Just now that we have a season, now that we have details on the season, what does it mean for your beloved pinwheels? And we'll close out the show and I'll tell you why I think it might be a good thing for the Blazers. Might we might we This might actually be... Re- certifiably good news. But before we talk pinwheels and good news, let's talk timelines. Get your calendars out. Get your pencils out. Get those number twos ready. Here's how it's going to work. I'm recording this on November 8th, Sunday evening, uh, in beautiful North Portland, Oregon. But that means we're about a week away from action happening. According to Shamstrania of The Athletic, the NBA is going to lift its restrictions on trades on November 16th. That doesn't mean that trades aren't, like, teams aren't discussing deals right now. It just means you'll be able to consummate those deals, make them official November 16th. Um, Teams are on the phone right now. You don't, there is no, trades don't happen in a two-hour window. Uh, They don't happen when the league says go. They're happening right now by teams, you know, gathering information, speaking, preparing for the draft, all those things. So, but we will probably see, I would assume, you know, November 16th, November 17th, pre those pre-draft days, we'll see some trades in the league. This is how it works. Once the league says go, teams are going to start maneuvering. I think you can just, you can just count on that being a real thing. November 18th, we've been talking about a bunch of my draft profile series. Uh, if you haven't listened to any of those, they're available in your feed and they will be more available for you later this week. But the NBA draft is November 18th. That'll just function like a normal draft, except for the part where it'll be totally online. Um, it'll be, it's, I think it's going to be hosted at ESPN. It's going to be digital. Uh, Adam Silver will be there. Woj will break all the picks 45 seconds before they happen. You'll love it. I'll love it too. It's a good time. Uh, a bunch of young men will have their dreams realized. So after the NBA draft though, then we move into the world where it's, free agency a bunch of dudes are you know without contracts and are ready to sign new ones join new teams begin a new uh a new journey according to shams tarania and also uh mark stein of espn as well as adrian wojanowski of or excuse me mark stein works for new york times previously of espn and adrian wojanowski of of espn it's where I got this wonderful reporting from is that the NBA has proposed to start a free agency on either the 20th or 22nd of November. So that's like immediately after the draft. Same, you know, two days later, right? Uh, according to John Hollinger, who works for The Athletic, the with the draft being November 18th, 
he believes, and he's worked, he worked in the Memphis front office for seven years. He also works on the podcast network. Check out Duncan and Hollinger for more from your boy, John, uh, that he thinks that free agency is not going to start until November 21st at the earliest, or he proposed a potential setup where they've like they've done in recent years as opposed to starting it at midnight East Coast time, but start at 6 p.m., sort of like end of business day, beginning of free agency. So maybe it could start as early as November 20th at around 6 p.m. Eastern time. So that's three in the afternoon on the West Coast. Personally, as a reporter, uh, I prefer that. Staying up late stinks. Getting that information before dinner time, great. So free agency will begin, you know, immediately after the draft. Um not exactly how it works. It usually you get a week or ten days in a, in a normal year. To now you're going to get 48 hours, maybe maybe 72 hours if things uh, if things really get stretched out. But then after that, it's going to move quickly. Going to hit Thanksgiving and then December first, training camps are going to open. That's that is a tight turnaround from rookies joining their new teams and joining a new market on November 19th to being in an NBA training camp and ramping up physically for a lot of these college guys. They haven't played a lot of organized, you know, real five on five organized basketball. I'm sure they played a ton of pickup in private gyms and stuff like that, but uh, it'll be a big jump in competition. And for for a lot of guys, for, you know, the teams that weren't in the playoffs, uh, it's a long layoff. So, uh that ramping up starting December 1st will probably be a little bit trickier than a than a typical ramp up. I can imagine teams will have to get a little more creative with how they approach uh, training camps just because of just the physical challenges of guys who've either had a long layoff or or heading for a condensed schedule and things like that. Then the season's going to start three weeks later. December 22nd, we're going to have opening night in the NBA, uh, probably a ring ceremony in Los Angeles. Season's going to run through May. Playoffs will, or regular season will end in May. Playoffs will start right around then. A little later than normal, um, but, but you know, they usually start this, that second week of April. Now they're going to be pushed back a little bit, but the season's pushed back a little bit. Life is different than it was in the past, y'all. So we're all figuring it out along with the NBA. And the playoffs are going to conclude around July 22nd. Importantly, that would be before the Olympics. One of the big reasons for this timeline Um you know, cash, obviously, but uh, the NBA did not want to compete with the Olympics on television in late July. Uh, is there going to be Olympics in Tokyo in July? We'll find out, but they, the NBA season plans to be wrapped up. There'll also be, to, to create the playoffs, there'll be a play-in games, likely featuring, I don't think they finalized this, but from the reporting I've read, it will likely, 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 which means it will, but they just don't know exactly what it's going to look like. Um, Feature seeds seven through ten to get the to get your last two playoff spots. So for the the final four seeds in each conference playing to get the last two playoff spots. I I like the idea of playing games. I think they're fun. They add some interest to otherwise kind of boring. Who's going to get the eighth seed? Who's you know who's going to get swept in the first round? I think it adds some intrigue. Adds some exciting games. We'll 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 see in practice after a, like a relatively normal regular season what it'll look like. Uh, I don't know if I I meant to mention this in my notes, but I skipped over it. I, games 72 game season. We're in for 72 games. We're we're gonna have 10 games short. So with that condensed season, 
we're also going to see a little bit less travel. There's been proposal for the ideas of playing series. So it's like the Phoenix would come up to Portland and maybe the teams would play twice over three days and then the Blazers go down to Phoenix and play twice over three days. Might not be that simple, but I think we're, you'll, you'll see a lot uh, more of those series. The, the NBA is projecting a, a 25% reduction in travel. Anytime you can reduce travel, at least particularly early in the season and maybe through the whole season, it just keeps people safer. Uh, the bubble is the way to do it as maybe amoral as creating a bubble was. It's certainly the safest from a COVID-19 standpoint. Playing outside the bubble is going to add its own uh, its own challenges, and we'll just discuss them at a later date. We're going to table those for now. This uh, condensed season with the timeline is also going to include an all-star break. There's not going to be, it sounds like it's not going to be an all-star game, but uh which was scheduled to be in Indianapolis, so you'll just push back the uh, the Indianapolis All Star Game. But it sounds like there is going to be an All Star Break. Give guys, you know, eight or ten days off to to recharge. You do need to you do need some rest, particularly playing a condensed schedule, seventy two games in a short period of time. Uh, it's going to be tough on people's bodies. So the All Star Break super important. They needed to put that in there one way or another. Um, Bummer for no All-Star game. All Star game. I mean, the game itself sucks, but it's important to guys uh, to be named to the game and like be included in sort of the I'm one of the best players in the world fraternity that they have over the weekend. I kind of assume they'll still name All-Stars because it's good for getting fan engagement, but they just won't play. There will be no mid-season showcase. So that's the timeline. Uh, if you didn't fully get that marked down on your calendar and your number two pencil, just, you know, rewind this segment and play it at, at 0.5 speed. Just play it a little bit slower. You'll get it in there. Or check out the reporting from Shams Charania, ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski, and Mark Stein of the New York Times. That's where I got my info and I condensed it, aggregated it all here for you. In the second segment, I want to talk about what this shortened season means for your Portland Trailblazers. So that's what we'll do. All right. So we talked NBA timeline. The NBA is coming back December 22nd for a 72-game season. Get excited. I'm excited for the NBA to be back. I miss it. Uh, it's a little bit weird preparing for a season to start in December with likely with no fans. There's some been some reporting that in some markets, fans will be allowed in the in arenas, uh, maybe just in suites, it sounds like. And, and then, then they'll they'll obviously, if possible, ramp up from there. But I can't imagine that happens in the Portland market, uh, just like with the way laws are currently in Oregon. Uh, it would be very strange to me for them to allow people to go into sporting events. The Timbers are playing games with no fans. Uh, fans in the stands the Ducks will do that and Beavers will do that and football college football coming up here over the next couple weeks so I don't think the laws are going to allow for fans to be in the stands in in this particular market but in some places you may see uh, teams sell tickets so that's one thing it means for the Blazers it means they're gonna be playing games with no fans but what the hell else does it mean well, I think there's some important financial stuff that we should talk about as it pertains to the Blazers. First of all, it's officially official. The salary cap set at 109, the same figure it was last year, and the tax line remains at 139. So the Blazers will enter the season as an over the salary cap team, but well under the tax line, which means they'll just, they will have the tools that we've been talking about in previous podcasts, but I'll remind you of here. They'll have the mid-level exception. It's a, it's a, contract that could be up to four years long that begins at about nine point three million dollars a lot of teams in the league are going to be in the Blazers same situation of over the salary cap but maybe avoiding the tax line so that 
So that MLE money might be uh, might be a big one where where guys are that that MLE money might be what what a, a certain class of free agent is really looking at this year because I don't think there's going to be a bunch of extra money considering the situation we're in. Blazers will also have the biannual exception where contracts can start at about three point six million dollars. Uh, that's the Blazers' tools. They're not going to have salary cap to sign free agents. They're going to have the mid-level exception. They're going to have the biannual exception. And then you're able, to, if you're once you're over the cap, you're able to sign guys for minimum contracts. That, th- those are the tools that will be at their disposal. So what else does this, the NBA uh, start of the NBA season means? What well, well, also means that the guarantee date for Trevor Ariza's contract is going to be moved back to what. If free agency starts on the 20th, it, it'll be right right around draft time. The language in his contract is the first day of free agency to guarantee the remaining of Ariza's contract. I assume it'll get guaranteed. I assume they're picking it up. Um, there's not a lot of value. If you if you if they cut him, they don't get they're not gonna all of a sudden be a cap uh, under the cap team and have all this room. Um, there's there's really no advantage in it. He's tradable if you keep him on that contract. So it just means officially Ariza's deal will be guaranteed at the end of November. Or the third week of November sounds like more like November twentieth, twenty first in that range. The other thing it means for the Blazers, and I think this one is a bigger deal, is that Zach Collins might not be ready for the start of the season. I mentioned this in a previous podcast, but it's it's worth repeating here. One, because maybe you didn't listen to that previous podcast. And two, because this is the big deal for the Blazers, right? Uh, Zach Collins has had surgery uh, on his foot. Although the Blazers have not released a press release to explain that this has happened. Um, I'm under the impression that it that it has um, and that he is, he is working his way back. Uh, but he had told Jason Quick in an interview in August that if the season started around Christmas or even early December, he might not be ready. But since it was going to be starting in 2021 at that time, the presumption was going to be wait till the new calendar year when the season was going to start around January 18th. He thought he'd be ready, good to go, no problems. So there's a chance. I'm not. There's no guarantees yet. We just don't have the information. But there's a chance, a pretty good chance, that uh, Zach Collins will not be ready day one. Uh, for my... From my perspective, there's no reason to rush, rush Zach Collins back. Uh, he's You want him healthy. You want him to play. If there's 72 games, you want him to appear in 60 of them, and you want him to be available in the playoffs at full strength. Uh, you want to get the most out of Zach Collins because you have to decide if he's part of the future. Uh, and everything that Neil Olshay's ever done suggests that Zach Collins will sign a multi-year contract and return to the team, but... That's just how Neil handles his draft picks. He he likes to keep them around. Um, but the Blazers have to figure out what... Can he play next to Yusuf Nurkic? Is he a center? Is he a power forward? Is he a good NBA player worth committing a lot of money to? They've got questions to answer, and that means you need Zach on the, on the court. And to get Zach on the court, I don't think you rush back early. These games don't... Okay, I was starting to say these games don't matter. The games matter. All the games matter. Uh, the 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 West is going to be incredibly tight. Uh, just because the early games feel weird won't mean they count less in the standings. But the Blazers want Zach fully ready to go at the end of the year. They don't. No reason to take any chances. Otherwise, health wise, I think everyone is likely to be back. Rodney Hood got hurt the first week of December towards Achilles tenant. He'll have more than a year to be back on the court. Uh, you would assume that he will be ready, but we'll probably know more once we get Blazers get a little bit closer to training camp. But 12, 12 full months of rehab seems like enough time based on other uh, 
other players who suffered similar, sustained similar injuries in the NBA. It's somewhere between eight and 10 months, and Hood is going to be beyond those timelines. And he should be ready, should be good to go. Uh, I don't think there's any concern about CJ and his broken vertebrae. He was playing 40 minutes a night while his back was broken in the bubble. Uh, We only learned about it because he had a crap game. So I don't think there's any... um, I don't think there's any reason to think that he wouldn't be ready. He wasn't having surgery. He was just resting up. He'll the Blazers will be cautious with him, obviously, but he's he should be good to go. Damian Lillard should be good to go. You know, uh, uh, dislocated finger, knee injury that ended his season in the bubble, but he should be fine. Uh, he'll be he'll be ready. He's already he's posted videos of him working back working out too. So the only real health concern, from my opinion, right now in terms of guys who are on the roster, would be Zach Collins' availability. That's what that's what this timeline means is that the Blazers might not have Collins, but everything else or everyone else seems on track to be available when the season begins the week of Christmas. And when that season rolls around on December 22nd, I think it's going to be a good deal for the Blazers. I kind of think this timeline is is an okay setup for old for old Portland. So why don't you join me in the third segment and I'll tell you why this is. Maybe good news, just straight up good news for the old pinwheels. Still a pass first point guard, still Mike Richmond. We're still listening to Locked On Blazers and we're still talking about the NBA's restart. We gave the timeline in the first segment. Season comes back, runs December to May. NBA Finals should wrap up in July and then maybe we could get back to something that approaches a similar schedule in fall of 2021. In the second segment, I told you what that timeline, what this new new world means for the Blazers, what it means financially for them, what it means health-wise for some of the guys in their roster, etc. But I want to close the show and tell you after, after hearing all that, why well, I think it's good news. Why well, I think it's good news is because I've spent a lot of time writing, talking, and thinking about Neil O'Shea constructed teams. And one thing I I think is worth noting is that when he has sort of rebuilt teams, he has typically done it with by trading away guys in the final year of their contracts. Uh, when he rebuilt the team around Dame and CJ, he just let Rolo and uh, Wes Matthews go traded away Nick Batum, who was in who was heading into free agency the following summer, and 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 obviously didn't bring Lamarcus Aldridge back. When he flipped and rebuilt this team, kind of restructured this team this year, he traded away two guys in the final year of their contracts: Myers Leonard and Mo Harkless. Throw in Evan Turner, who he traded in the way in the final year of his contract, and and he let Al Farouk Aminu walk. So when there has been big overhauls, it's it's been by way of free agency and by way of trades for guys in the final year of their deal. And the Blazers simply just don't have players that fit the bill. The only person that is sort of like the type of dude Neil Olshay has traded in the in the past is Trevor Ariza, who I think is you know the Blazers' probably easiest and most likely uh, contract and human basketball player to be traded. So why why am I talking about this? It's because that 
sort of profile from how Neil has built teams and the way he's approached it, et cetera, et cetera, suggests that the Blazers are in for a major overhaul this summer. Like I said in the second segment, they've only got about two ways to to revamp the team in free agency with a mid-level exception, the biannual exception. Then we're talking minimum guys. Minimum guys, while they might be game changers, see Carmelo Anthony, they're likely not, uh, you know, sort of big splashy moves. They're, they're good moves at the margins, things that Neil kind of excels at. He's not trading Dames, not trading CJ, he's not trading Nurk. He doesn't have a, a ton of cap room. It's you're you're relatively locked into the core you have. And the guys you do have sort of don't fit the people Neil has traded profile. So just judging by that, I think, and I'm going to use the C word here, I think the Blazers are going to have a great deal of continuity heading into this season when it begins in late December and continuity could be valuable one you just don't have to learn a bunch of new stuff and new parts I think with a strange training camp setup and the abbreviated season teams that have a bunch of new parts might get off to slightly slower starts it doesn't always work that way when the when the Celtics built the big three they started something like 28 and 4 or 30 and 4 They were incredibly good immediately. It doesn't always work that way. But typically, teams with new parts take a little while to figure it all out. See the Utah Jazz for most of last year with Mike Conley. So I think continuity will be valuable for the Blazers in the early season because they're going to go in with a starting lineup they're familiar with, obviously a coach they're familiar with, system they're familiar with, etc. I'm not saying that they're they're guaranteed to get off to a hot start, Plenty of times, this same Blazers team has had continuity at the beginning of the season, and they've kind of come out a little bit flat. So there's obviously concern that continuity doesn't mean anything. But if it does, I think this this season and the way it's going to shake out could be valuable for a Blazers team that's going to be familiar with one another. Uh, it's not a guarantee of anything, but if you were to pick one way or another, familiarity is the, is the side you'd want to land on. The other reason I think it's a good deal for the Blazers is because some of the top teams, some of the top tier teams might slow play it. I can imagine a ring ceremony in Los Angeles where LeBron James and Anthony Davis don't play. Be curious to see how the Denver Nuggets, who play deep into the season, how they approach early early in early games. Obviously, their their core is super young. Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic are super young, so they probably won't need the rest. But they've had it's been a quite a turnaround. Uh, have a have a slightly altered approach or more conservative approach when it comes to to playing you know guys full big minutes or, or maybe picking spots where they rest maybe not but i think it's it's worth considering and in terms of continuity for the rest of the team there are teams like the golden state warriors who haven't played basketball since march and haven't played basketball together in a uh, a uh, a very long time since june of 2019 for, you know, Clay Thompson and uh, Steph Curry haven't played together in a long time. So it is certainly no guarantee that the Blazers have a favorable situation. But I think there are some factors that will impact other teams, particularly other top-tier teams like the Lakers and the Warriors, uh, potentially Houston and Denver and, and the Clippers, who where the Blazers will not feel that. They got the benefit of playing in the bubble. They've played basketball recently. They're on a fairly regular timeline for a number of months off from end of season to beginning of season. Obviously, the move from the draft to free agency to the start of training camp is going to be hectic, but it's going to be hectic for everyone. 
So maybe the Blazers have a real advantage here. I know that I'm typically pessimistic in this space, in this this audio world. Some, some of y'all send me emails and tweets saying that I'm too pessimistic about the Blazers. So I wanted to search my heart for real optimism, a real silver lining about the way this season starts. And I found one. And I'm sorry if it also included the word continuity and if it triggered you with reminders of Neil Olshay's past. I don't think continuity is this like super massive advantage, but if you were to choose, would you want a roster that's familiar with one another or would you want a brand new roster? You're going to choose the familiarity. Like I said, continuity is only can only be a bonus. Maybe it leads to being feeling stale at some points, but in this season and this, this run up to the season, I think it's a good thing. Or at least I'm trying to sell you on it. So believe me, please. We got Mailbag Monday coming up later this week. In fact, tomorrow, if you're listening to this on Monday, or if you're just listening to this and you haven't seen Mailbag Monday pop up in your feed, you can get involved by tweeting at me at Mike G. Rich or emailing me lockedonblazerspod at gmail.com. We also got more draft profiles coming this week. So check your feeds for that. NBA Draft, a mere 10 days away. So we'll have a couple more of dra- in our draft profile series leading up to draft night on November 18th. Tell your friends about this podcast. They can get it wherever they already get podcasts. Just search Lockdown Blazers. We'll be there waiting for you. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon. <laughs>